We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We are looking at the Gospel of John, verse-by-verse. It is priceless and indispensable. John's gospel was written not just to tell the life story of Jesus. It was written to persuade us that Jesus is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of David, the soon-coming King, and simultaneously and concurrently the Son of God, and that when you believe in this and in Him and in His gospel, you will have life in His name. That's John 20. Verse 31. So we're in chapter 11. This is the final of the seven signs that Jesus gave, miracles that point to his identity, his messiahship, his divinity, his true call, and that the great divide happens. Many will believe because of this miracle, but amazingly, there'll be those that see the miracle and they still don't believe. Talk about blindness. Right, well, we're coming to that point that Lazarus is going to walk out of the tomb. Jesus has already come to Bethany after delaying his arrival. Lazarus is in the tomb four days. They're taking him to the tomb, and it's a very, very moving situation. And so Jesus makes a statement. And by the way, our lesson is called, Lazarus, come forth. Those three words are what made all the difference, and it's based on John chapter 11, verses 35 to 46. I want to read to you a couple of verses here. It says in verse 39, Jesus now at the tomb of Lazarus, and remember, he wasn't buried in the ground. He wasn't buried in a mausoleum. He wasn't cremated and his ashes spread or put in an urn. His wrapped body was put into a cave, and a big stone was rolled over the mouth of the cave. This was very common in the first century A.D. So Jesus says in verse 39 of John 11, Take away the stone. Now, what happens here is that Martha, the sister of Lazarus, says to him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he has been dead four days. Well, she's speaking natural reality, of course. He is already entered into the decomposition process. As far as I know, there was not normal or routine embalming of Jewish corpses 2,000 years ago. So Martha is, in a sense, just cautioning that it might be an unpleasant thing to see 
or smell (laughs) the corpse of Lazarus. But then she seemed to forget that Jesus promised that her brother will rise again. And so listen to the words of Jesus. Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. This sounds like a rebuke. And every time I've read that verse, that is always the impression I get. Martha had said all the right things, and I'm sure she wanted to believe everything that she said. But now it's getting to the crunch. Here is the master commanding that the opening of the grave be made by the removing of the stone. And now she's wondering, what if there's a bad smell? What if nothing happens? How embarrassing and perhaps humiliating should the master call for the stone to be rolled away and Lazarus remains in the tomb? You know, to err is human. To forgive is divine, they often say. But you know what? To be in natural reasoning when the master is right there before you, speaking words of life, giving his loving, anointed, powerful presence, to be doubting in such circumstances, it is forgivable provided that you don't remain in the doubt. So when Jesus said these strong words, didn't I tell you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Guess what? The next verse says, then they took away the stone. Friends, we would do well to do likewise. Let's read the entire portion of John chapter 11, verses 35 to 46. Our lesson is called Lazarus, Come Forth, based on John chapter 11, 35 to 46. Let's listen carefully. This is God's word. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, Come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Our reading is from John 11, verses 35 to 46, and our lesson is called Lazarus, Come Forth. Well, friends, no doubt about it, we have just witnessed a great miracle. 
especially a man who had already been dead four days, all hope of resuscitation had perished with him, and now he's risen from the dead. This is John 11.35. So we have and will continue as we discuss this passage, witness one of the greatest and most renowned miracles in the Bible, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, in front of many witnesses, no less. Yet, before it occurred, we see a very human side of Jesus. The great declaration he made that he is the resurrection and the life had already been given. But now comes the compassionate, empathetic side. Jesus asked to see where was the tomb of Lazarus. All around him, he witnessed great weeping and commotion, especially from his dear friends Mary and Martha. Though he was perfectly confident that God would hear his prayer and raise Lazarus from the dead, the human touch is also evident. In what is probably the shortest verse in the entire Bible, only two mere words, John 11, verse 35. It simply says, Jesus wept. This is what makes him a great high priest. He had the power of empathy, putting himself in our place, walking in our footsteps, feeling our pain, and even letting some tears roll down his cheek. Because he walked on this planet and was tempted in all areas like us, he is a great high priest who ever lives to make intercession for us. According to Hebrews 7, verse 25. Unlike, say, Mary's tears, which were tears of not just great grief, but even of hopelessness, Jesus' tears were simply feeling the pain of those he loved. He wasn't at all hopeless whatsoever. This is what it means. He has the power to walk in our steps. He has the power to feel our pain. He has the power to turn everything around. Remember again, the tears are not out of unbelief or fear, but identifying with the suffering of others. God notices. God is moved. And God does act upon the tears of the righteous and the hurting. Praise God for all that. Now we have what is called the divided response. That's John 11, verses 36 and 37. As often the case involving the person of Jesus and the Jews of Jerusalem, there was a divided response. Some noted that his tears were proof of his great love for Lazarus. Others commented, perhaps cynically or derisively, that a person who could open the blind man's eyes could have prevented the death of Lazarus. Like, how irresponsible of him for not showing up and helping this man out. Especially, he was his friend who had hosted him, had given him shelter, had basically become his home away from home when he was in the Jerusalem vicinity. Because, let's remember, Jesus was not from Jerusalem. He was from Galilee and particularly from Capernaum, which is where he had his headquarters. So, let's go now to the grave. John eleven thirty-eight. Can anything be more unpleasant and heartbreaking than a grave, particularly just after the burial of the deceased 
and when others are there at the grave mourning. I haven't had that experience that often, even though I have done funerals, but it's not pleasant at all. And yet at the same time, it's very necessary to go through that grieving process because if you don't, you're in denial of reality. And eventually when reality does catch up, it hits many times harder than if you just accepted at the beginning. It's also necessary for people in ministry, for mature spiritual Christians and others, to stand there and strengthen and comfort those that mourn. In fact, let's never forget one of the great Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, says simply, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the reason is simple. The God of the Bible, the only God there is, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of heaven and earth, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is the God of all comfort, as we learn in Second Corinthians chapter 1. So when you mourn, friends, and you are, how should I say, open to God, He will be there for you, helping you walk it through. And remember, there are greater purposes that you may not be aware of. And for whatever reason, God cannot reveal them to you now. But trust Him, because He does have your best interests at heart. But back to the point, being at the graveside is not a pleasant thing, but for many it is necessary to get, as it were, reality in, also to comfort others, as I've already said, and also just a place for God to move. I'll tell you, the last time I visited a grave, it wasn't the most positive thing I could ever imagine. And that's a story in itself. We'll leave that for a little later. All right, so Jesus at the grave. When he's there, he again groans in himself. The heartfelt collective mourning he observed continues to move him. He is a compassionate, empathetic man. And John describes the tomb of Lazarus simply as what we've already learned. It's a cave with a stone covering the mouth of the cave. So if Jesus is going to have a miracle, he's going to have to get things prepared. And for that to happen, John eleven thirty nine must come to pass, where he says, move the stone. Because now at the tomb, Jesus says, roll away this stone. Believing Martha now defaults to natural thinking. Lord, by now Lazarus will stink because he's been dead for four days. Either this was well-meaning or she was starting to doubt. And friends, you don't want doubt to get in the way when God is about to work. Nor do you want a stone-hardened heart to also get in the way when God is about to work. So friends, the best thing we can do is not just roll away the stone of Lazarus' tomb, but roll away the stone of hardened hearts. Remember, it tells us in the Psalms, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Isn't that funny? We should be softening and opening our heart when God speaks, but look, human rebellious nature, being as it is, can harden up. So that's why we're warned, don't do it. Jesus, of course, in verse 40 of John 11, immediately responds, perhaps with a note of irritation, 
Didn't I tell you? And of course, he's speaking directly to his friend Martha. Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Faith opens up far greater realms of glory than doubt ever could or would. And then the prayer of John eleven forty one. No sooner did Jesus give this rebuke than the men took away the stone from the mouth of Lazarus' cave. The Lord then begins to pray. He says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Now that's in the past tense. Interesting. Did he hear him for all prayers in the past? Did he hear him just for Lazarus' particular situation? Not sure. But God heard him. Jesus is already heard by God, even before he opens his mouth. And you know, we can have the same kind of experience too if we follow the instruction manual, the Word of God. Like Jesus, you can have a prayer life where God always hears you too. Because of the people, verse 42, Jesus continues his prayer. I knew that you hear me always, yet for the sake of the people standing round about and for people all over, all people, all times, this miracle is being done so that everyone will know that the Father has sent the Son. Well, praise God, this miracle wasn't just done for those standing round about Lazarus' tomb 2,000 years ago. This miracle was done for us as well. Praise God. And then the great command, which is the title of our lesson, and this is John eleven forty three. Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Verse 44, to the shock and amazement of all, a figure bound up in white sheets came hobbling out of the tomb. Yes, Lazarus was clearly alive again. But the problem was that he was also bound hand and foot, and his face was covered with a cloth called a napkin. So Jesus gave the command, loose him and let him go. What a great analogy for the gospel. When we come to faith in Christ and are born again, we are like Lazarus coming out of the tomb. From death, we enter into life. From darkness, we enter into light. From hatred, we enter into the wonderful love of God. But there's more, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When received, the grave clothes and the face covering come off. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Just remember that. You can be in the light, but still bound up. You need the Holy Spirit to set you free. Verse 45. Many Jews who followed Mary to the tomb and saw Lazarus come forth became believers. But our final verse, 46, others who were witnesses of the miracle, made a beeline to the Pharisees to tell them what Jesus had done. This is reminiscent of the statement by Father Abraham in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, not the Lazarus from Bethany, Luke 16.31. This is Abraham speaking. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. So our lesson is called Lazarus, Come Forth, Our Lesson for Life. An evil heart of unbelief is so hardened that it won't believe, even if someone 
rose from the dead. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.